happy hump day. This probably won't get to you on a hump day, but there's there's a percent math. What math magician MJ? What would the percent be that we would somebody would see this? Slim to none that they're going to see it on a Wednesday. Oh dang! I was hoping he came up with some kind of. How did you do in stat in college? I did okay, not not phenomenal. Yeah, no, I struggled, but it's because I didn't go to class. Wow. So that, that could be some other reason too. Uh, really, really fun day today. We've we've got a, a guest on with us today and the Canadian's going to be popping in too. But uh, I got a call from that crazy wild man out in Arizona, Trevor Bells, and he said, hey, uh, my in-laws are doing this crazy awesome project where they are going to start bottling uh, milk in a glass and they're going to do it in uh, Texas and in Arizona and they've got a film crew that is going to be documenting this wild ride and they would like to talk to some insane people that would jump on board with ideas kind of like this and that's I guess where the compliment comes in that we're insane yeah I, th- I think so I mean you've moved to Dell City with me so you're obviously insane yeah. uh, but but we now have Chad sitting in our podcast. So, Chad, welcome to Out Here in the Middle. Oh, man, I tell you what, if you've ever been to Dell City, you're literally out in the middle. It's all middle. That's uh, that's true. We are we are definitely in the middle of somewhere. And the the thing that that is fun about out here is when people get here, their natural reaction is, "What? Where did I? Where am I?" Because when you get to Dell City. You're driving through desert and it's just brown bushes and all of this stuff. And the next thing you know, you come dropping down the hill. Gorgeous. And it's like the Garden of Eden. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Shocker. Right. And you didn't you didn't know what to expect when you got here. No. So what no. do you what do you I mean, you've been here for a total of two and a half, three hours now. Yeah. And and so are you moving? You know what? My wife is not so adventurous. She feels she needs a passport when she goes a hundred miles. So I ain't I'm not that good of a salesman. Yeah. But for me personally, I've always had this romantic fantasy about doing what you guys are doing up here. I don't know if I would romantic fantasy no, about it, what we're doing here it, it seems so romantic you know waking up to the smell of the alfalfa and the animals and it's 500 people six-man football k through 12 in one school and it's like this is the place i want to disappear uh, Ab- beautiful place absolutely yeah super it, impressed it's it is something to be to be uh to be a resident of Dell city And we just wanted to take a couple quick seconds to thank some of our sponsors. One of our sponsors and a sponsor of mine for a long time has been Walls, Walls Outdoor Wear. Absolutely amazing product. I personally love their ditch digger pants. I know it's starting to get a little bit warm, but at the same time, those pants breathe amazingly well. They're super comfortable and they fit you, especially if you have a dad bod like me. If you want any more information about Walls Outdoor Wear, you can go to walls.com. Tell them Jay sent you. This podcast is sponsored by Chafe, world-class alfalfa. Chafe is grown in the shadows of the Guadalupe Mountains, the highest peak in the state of Texas. Our unique climate offers cool nights, warm days, and allows us to grow some of the finest forage on the face of the planet. For more information about Chafe, please visit www.chafe.com. Your story this morning, you were starting to talk, talk to us a little bit about 
kind of who you are and what made you get into what you're doing. And you said that you used to work for, for a bank, you work for Lehman brothers. So, so give us a, give us a 10 minute intro of who is Chad and, and, and why are you really in Dell city? You know, it was crazy. I used to work for the evil empire. I worked for Lehman brothers and I lived in Asia and I, I came to the understanding in Asia. So we're, we're in Asia, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Singapore. And so I was a single guy living in Asia and I came to the day of enlightenment that I'm way too entrepreneurial to work for a bank. And what the heck am I doing here? And I realized like, okay, now what do I do? You didn't get any meat from a wet market. No, I, you know what? Through this whole Too COVID soon? thing, I can tell you this. I've cut down on my bat. Oh, okay. But, but if you guys at home are trying to not eat a lot of bat, the impossible bat, the impossible bat burger makes it easier. Ah, so I've never thought the, about the impossible bat well, burger. No, the impossible bat is fantastic. It's what we're all on now. Is it, uh, is it, is it soybean based? Yeah. Ah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I'm going to tell you a quick story. So, so, you know, you see all these headlines about COVID and what's going on and how it originated and what, what, what's the cause of COVID-19 and, and depending on what side of the aisle you want to sit on, there's all kinds of rationale and irrationale that you want to throw into the middle of the mix. But at the same time, you know, the, the, the source that everybody was hearing for so long was, yeah, it was caused from a guy eating a bat. So me and my wife are having a, a conversation one evening uh, about COVID-19 and uh, our daughter is out in the backyard playing and Harvest starts saying, bird, bird, bird. And then we're not thinking anything of it. We're sitting on the couch enjoying a conversation. Harvest comes walking into the living room uh, holding the bird that she caught outside. <laughs> um, it was a bat. You know, Fabulous. and that's all I'm thinking of is, oh, great. We're going to be responsible for the first COVID-20 break in, in Dell City because... Harvest is carrying around a bat. She soon bit its head off and started screaming crazy train. But besides that, it was, you know, everything else was very kosher. But anyways, so so you're in Asia, uh, you're working for Lehman Brothers, and you've got this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset that you're like, no, I'm I, I, I can't be I can't be a suit. Yes. Okay, so so What's the next step? Well, I end up coming back and I'm starting these kind of entrepreneurial businesses. And one of was a health club for your body, where if you didn't have medical insurance, you could pay a membership every month and you could go see the doctor up to 10 times. No copay, no insurance, no nothing. So the, the no insurance club. So we start down this road. I kind of like that. Well, that's what we are in right now. Yeah. 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 We're exactly. in the no insurance club. Well, I think about this 495 bucks a year. You go and see your general uh, doctor up to 10 times and you, there's no hassles, no copays, no, no problem. And that's it. It's a membership. And the doctor loves it because if he's got a thousand clients, he's making half a million dollars a year, not having to fight the insurance companies to get paid. So I'm like, I got into California. I got into New York as an, a, not an insurance product. And I said, Harris, you've done it. You're a bloody genius. And then Obamacare started. <laughs> and I went from being a genius to an idiot. And in the worst possible business, Jay, you don't want to have a business that's called the No Insurance Club when the law says you have to own insurance. 
I'm not I'm not a very smart person, but that doesn't sound like the kind of aspect or business that I would be investing the in. The worst possible choice you could make. And so, you know, as an entrepreneur, you realize you make your best plans and you head forward, but there's always a COVID-19 in every business. There's always a toe popper that's just going to upset everything. So we say, okay, how are we going to fix this? So during this time, as it was coming over uh, to the to Obamacare, and I thought, how am I going to get noticed? We saw this video uh, produced by Will Farrell. He got paid 150000 by MoveOn.org to promote Obamacare. So he got his rich celebrity friends. They shot it in black and white. They did it very sarcastic and funny. And they made fun of insurance company executives, because please don't change the way the system works their lifestyle will be endangered. It was beautiful, even though it was the opposite of my argument. I could not fight the cleverness. So when we saw it, we said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to satire his satire. So we got a writer, and the real victims in healthcare reform are celebrities. So we twisted it. So we casted people on Craigslist. And I didn't have any money, and I was losing money quicker doing the Obamacare. So they said, look, if you want to come, we'll put you on the reel. We'll give you this. But I really can't pay you. I had to pay my writer 50 bucks. So we wrote this satire. We did it in black and white. His John Hamm looked like my John Hamm. His, her Olivia Munn looked like my Olivia Munn. We had it just right. So we pushed it out. And 48 hours later, I get a call by a guy talking a million miles an hour. Are you the funny guy making funny videos? Hey, who is this? Great gut fell from Red Eye. You ever watch my show? Hey, all the time. And back then, he was getting like 400000 a night as the libertarian, late-night Fox funny guy, his own show called Red Eye. Did you say 400000 a night? Yeah, back then. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, in cable, that's a big deal. Hey, just to, just to, not, not to lose our place in the story, the Canadian has landed. Canadian's in the building! Hello, everyone. It's about time you showed up, you stinking crazy wild man. How's the cotton look? Uh, cotton looks okay. I was actually out looking more at the chili peppers this morning. Oh, I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, try what, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's the chili look like? Well... <laughs> Depends which field you're looking at. <laughs> okay, so we're going to leave that to another conversation. <laughs> I was out there this morning, too, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, we got beat up pretty hard. We got beat up. I don't think it's a wreck. Yeah. It's, it's not a rip, eh? So, so we are getting through. You, you produce this. You have, who was it that contacted you? Greg Gupfeld from Red Eye. He's, he's on a show called The Five, and he's oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, guy yeah, yeah. on the right side. Okay. Yeah, he had his own show called Red Eye back then, and he was the host. I got you. And now he has the Greg Gupfeld show, and he does The Five. <sighs> yeah. He's very sarcastic and libertarian and interesting guy. So long story short, I end up uh, that night on his show for free for six and a half minutes. And I'm like because of the stupid video that I paid $50 for. And I'm like, you know what? If my healthcare business is going to the grabber, media is easy. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And so that actually... Our media team's back here going, it's not easy. Do yeah. you understand everything we had to put up for this podcast? <laughs> well, and, and because of that, that started me up on Hot Seat Media. So basically, Hot Seat just started different stories. At first, it was medical. And then the medical story I was doing with a Marine that was hooked on Oxycontin, getting clean, wanted to go torture himself. We found this mud race. And the owner said, don't call it a mud race. It's a Spartan race. And it was in the very beginning. And I said, well, if I sign off and you sign off, assuming we don't kill our Marine, I'm going to make this video for this purpose. And you can use it, too. And he came back and he says, hey, do you make videos for other people, too? And I said, yeah, but I assume you probably don't have any money or you would have done it already, right? And he goes, yeah, yeah, we're a startup, but I have this idea. So that idea ended up producing 50 races around the country. Yeah, I, tor I tortured years. myself through that. Yeah, and then it ended up uh, being sold to NBC, and it's run three years on Spartan, the Ultimate Team Challenge on NBC. So... You say to yourself, you kind of head down a road, but a lot of it's kind of luck. Right. You were in the whatever place for the right time. And you know what? It just came up, you know, red 34 that day or whatever. Right. And that was my lucky thing. And so from that, uh, we ended up producing a show about self-made people for Amazon Prime. And in season two, I'd heard the story about a dairy guy that was going off the grid and saying, look, I want to put it in glass. I want to go straight to consumer. I want to get a product that I remembered when I was a kid. And so we met a guy by the name of Kevin Danzeisen, and he has Danzeisen Dairy. So we ended up telling his story, and each episode has four different self-made people. So I'll have a sports guy, you know, who's a NASCAR, uh, Alex Bowman, and I'll have the guy that sold Apple, the Touch ID. So I'll hook my sports guy with a farmer, with a nerd, with a uh, another guy, person, a singer, and I'll put that into one TV episode. So on season two on Amazon Prime, the show's called Self Made, one of the characters was Kevin. So I told his story, and I didn't hear from Kevin for a while. And he called me back and he said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, no, nothing. I said, are we going to get to do what I really wanted to do? And I said, Kevin, knowing your business, you know the story I really want to tell, a documentary? I want to call it Milk Mafia. And I want to talk about the dudes that take on the milk cartel. He goes, take it easy. That's not the story. <laughs> You're not talking that's... about the uh, Canadian milk board, are you? <laughs> He's like, that's not the bear I want to poke today, okay? I don't want to do that. But I said, no, no, no. I don't want to do milk mafia. But we're taking... Uh, this one just dropped out. There you go. So we're taking what we're doing in Arizona... And I want to go bigger in Texas because everything's bigger in Texas. I'm getting an old film factory. I'm going to convert, convert to a creamery. I'm going glass and I'm going to go all organic and we're going to go bigger and bigger and bigger. 
and COVID is just starting, but would you be interested in telling our story? So through the beginnings of watching the creation of this, and it'll be out in January, and if people are listening now, whenever they're listening to this in May of 2020, just in the middle of COVID, and we're going to follow the creation, along the way, I said, I need 10 crazy farmers that are in different segments of the world. Can you create a short list for me? I don't care where they are. And I don't know to say sadly or happily, Jay, you were on the <laughs> top three of kooks I'm, in my, <laughs> my list to least, talk to. At least you weren't the top one. Right. I mean, there's, there's yes. Who was mentioned first? Well, Trevor Bales was a very... He's, he's the kookiest of them all. And then he said, ah, I got a guy wackier than me if you're willing to drive. And I said, I'll go anywhere for a story. Yeah, that, that Trevor Bells guy, there's something definitely wired wrong with that fool. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if we're honored or if we're scared. But uh, just to listen to, to what, you know, we, we need to we need to have the Dan Zeisens on here. Um, but, but one of the things that I think is so cool is when people try to essentially build something that is that is authentic and genuine and organic, regardless if it's organic or not, uh, just the process of doing what they want to do. And I think that that's something that we've lost in America is the fact that we want to build something again. And so to see that entrepreneurial mindset, the fact that you're an entrepreneur and the fact that you want to align yourself uh, by telling the story of people that want to do that, I think that is the American dream. I mean, I think that is what is that is what puts us back on the map. Um, not that we've been off the map, but at the same time, I feel like we really haven't done a good job of making sure that we're producing it here. Well, and the name they selected, it's just so powerful to me. They decided on 1836 farms. So if listeners wanted to follow the if growth. If you don't know what 1836 is significant enough in the state of Texas, then you need to go fly a kite. What is that? How about Brandon? Do you know what 1836 stands for? I don't, uh, but I am from Canada, so please educate me. 1836. 1836 is when uh, we decided as Texans to declare our freedom. Nice. Isn't that a great name? That's amazing. It's one of the great brands. Yeah. Uh, we we sell wine um, grapes to a winery that has a bottle and it's one of their selects, which is 1836. And it is a very good, robust Cabernet, soft on the front end of the palate, punches you in the back of the throat like a good Cabernet should be. Um, but at the same time, it's really amazing to see what uh, Texas is a state. Have you spent a lot of time in Texas? More recently, yeah. You know, I've been through, uh, I haven't spent any quality time in Houston, but Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, El Paso. It yeah. is It is funny because Texans are a nation to themselves. Yeah. And still, I mean, celebrate their independence and they're very, very passionate about the state of Texas. And it's, it's neat to see because if you look at some of the bigger businesses that have prospered, it's because Texas is a spot where a man or a woman can still go to work and can still earn an honest day's wage. And then they want to literally put that money back into the economy that is 
Texas. Yes. And and so I think every Texan's dream is to see that spill over into another state and kind of move. You know, I grew up in New Mexico. I've got the Zia Temple symbol tattooed on my my arm. Love my state, but at the same time as I've watched politics cripple the state, uh, it's it's ever more apparent to me that Texas is doing something right. So when somebody's putting glass in them in our milk in a glass bottle and they're calling it something like 1836, it's like uh hell yes, I'm going to try one of those glasses of milk. Uh, that sounds amazing. So th- there's a story to, to tell behind it. Uh, well, and, and along that, Kevin said there's fewer restrictions to go bigger and faster in Texas than in Arizona. I mean, we've seen that. It's a... Uh, Probably my first experience of Texas was when I watched Peter Berg's show, Friday Night Lights, Texas Forever. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like, do they really think that way? And it was before I'd spent any quality time in Texas. And it was very beautiful feeling of like they really mean it in Texas. No, Um, I mean, it's not being from Texas. I found it very cool. So not being from Texas either well none of us here are that are talking right now but at the same time brendan what do you think of what do you think of putting milk in a glass bottle and trying to sell it directly to consumers so i think this is pretty awesome when you said kevin i actually met him three or four years ago oh you're you're a crazy stalker when it comes to when it comes to, yeah <laughs> so I, I am a little bit of a stalker and i messaged him on twitter i said hey i'm in the phoenix area i want to come visit you He's like, yeah, man, come on over. So I drove two hours because obviously Phoenix is huge. Yeah. And I saw his operation. I was like, this guy gets it. He knows what needs to be done next. And now hearing that he's doing it in Texas, like as soon as you said his name, I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I know that guy. And seeing that he's doing it in Texas makes perfect sense. Texas is the land of big things, right? Big ideas, big dreams. And people can make it. So why not? Texas is a perfect place to do it. <laughs> So I'm talking about. So Chad, obviously you're getting paid to make the film. And even though you are going to be on the rooting side of this, and this is not, this is not me saying that the idea is a bad idea. The likelihood of this working in your mind is, is what percent? It's a pretty big hit. I mean, we were over at the plant at the dairy at the, the creamery last week. And I said, Kevin, what are some of the bumps that you're hitting? He goes, are you sitting down? (laughs) The inspector went through, we bought an old film factory by Fuji and we're converting it over. The inspector comes in and says, "Uh, your water system, in case you guys have a fire, that's no good. You're gonna have $150,000 that you didn't budget. You gotta replace that. Oh, and if you're not done dry heaving yet, We got to put in fire hydrants around here. So it's about a quarter million dollar hit, and there already were to the end of the budget. That was not a choice that they're going to have to cough up. And so. Is that in Arizona? No, that's up in Texas. That's in Texas. And so I was saying, looking ahead, you know, what are some of the struggles that you're seeing? And they're already seeing struggles, and they haven't even had demo day. Tomorrow's actually going to be demo day up in Terrell on the plant tomorrow, day one. And so... uh, I don't know. We got to go check that out. I mean, that's, that's, that's one of those things. So, so... 
I understand the dry heave. Mm. Um, when it comes to just hammering cash, Ugh. you know, it's, it's something that I think if you're going to be in business, you have to be able to have a realistic mindset that all of the pretty pictures that you're going to paint are not always going to come out as a masterpiece. Yep. And whenever I, well, we're doing this with a plant with Chaffee right now, I mean, we spend $2 million just in new equipment, but that doesn't cover the wiring and that doesn't cover the air system and the compressors and the the motors we blew already yeah the motors that mj wired backwards and he didn't do that learning experiences right (laughs) and so but i think i think the thing that i love about this the most is the fact that it is people that are truly going to throw it out there and that they're going to run with this idea because they know. And the fact that they're doing the marketing side right, the fact that Chad is here and that Leo is here, and the fact that you guys are going to tell a story and why somebody would want to get behind that product, that is the most powerful thing in the world. The one thing that, not the one thing, but one of the things that I've learned is, is when you align yourself with correct people and when you guys can get on the same level and you run at something together, and if the people are genuine and good, Literally, and I know that sounds, you might sound, you know, kind of like we should all be on our yoga mats right now talking about it. But at the same time, if we're honestly making a hard attempt at looking for the person that we're going to be selling to and doing a good job of making sure that we're taking care of the people that mean the most to us, those kind of businesses can still succeed in America. For sure. But we've seen a huge transition since the the late 80s where it's just been, let's, how big and how fast can we make everything? You know, can we, can we, you know, we're farming 15,000 acres here and it's, it's, it's that mindset of, well, just mass produce, mass produce, mass produce. We get here, take 15,000 acres and we're saying, how can we specialize what we have and how can we get that tailored to a market? It's the same thing with these guys because they're no small dairy. They're a big dairy, right? you know? So what do you see? You've been all over the world. What do you see America doing to support something like this? Well, a lot of it, you hit it on the head, is you got to pump the brakes and fast isn't always the right thing. Some things take time, and especially in marketing ag. I hate that. You know, in marketing ag, it's a very big thing. Uh, On our website, on Hot Seat Media, it says, don't make ads, make fans. Right. That's it. And yeah. so the only time you really want to see an ad is the Super Bowl. Let's be honest. And you want to see that ad. Other than that, you're kind of pissing me off because I want to watch my movie. I want to watch my show. I'm even going to fast forward through that crap. And so that's a quick solution to a problem is to create an ad. But to create a fan, that takes time to create the relationship between the product that you're building, which might not be on the shelf for nine months. And the fans that you want to create for that product, that's the marriage between your business and agriculture and media is it takes time to tell that story. But if you give it time, the fans will nurture the brand. And by the time you hit the shelf, you already have fans. And so I see that's part of it is... uh, younger guys that are a different way of thinking that I've seen with you, Trevor, and Kevin. Uh, You guys can see... How old is Kevin? Kevin is like... uh, 
I don't know, what would he be, 35 to 40? Yeah, he'd be about ours. Right? And so I don't know if the word for it, but I would call it agri-entertainment, that it's almost like kind of fun and cool to be connected to a farmer. And even though if you can't, you know, chase cows and go dig something, I can kind of get into the agri-entertainment because I got a T-shirt, I got a hat, I'm subscribing to their feed. And you know what? The most important thing, I'm buying their product. And that's what feeds the agri-entertainment entertainment because I'm it's more than just milk it was when I was a kid and I remember the guy with a hat I'm an old fart I'm past 50 okay hey we'll get you a cane to get out of here okay so think of this when I was a kid I remember the sound of the box tink on my porch the metal box and it was breakfast and we would run out knowing that I would get my thing of milk in glass for that breakfast and it was an excitement it wasn't milk it was the idea of seeing the guy with the hat hearing the tink it was still cold and I got it for breakfast it somehow felt like I milked it myself and so that to me is the future of your business in America is America is number one at entertainment okay worldwide bar none we own that space number two technology number one over china yeah oh yeah they they're they could force force it to a sense but as far as like technological minds and know-how and the third part is agriculture so that if you marry those three things That, to me, is the future of your business in America, is the entertainment, the technology, and the know-how of how to get the right product to the right consumer. And so if you marry those three, you can't do that in China. You can't do that in South Africa. You can't do that. Those markets don't have those three pieces. They don't have all three legs of the stool. So that's what I would say is your competitive advantage. Well, I, that gives us some that gives us some hope. What not to sound shallow. Okay. Okay. So get that get that out. So and Kevin, if you're listening to this and 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 Geens and Trevor and all, all of these crazy people that are going off on these crazy things. Likelihood of success in your mind, MJ? I think it's still a pretty niche market. I would I'd give it about forty percent. 40. Whoa. Hey, trying to be real. No, I, that's, that's, that's good. Brandon. I would agree with MJ two months ago. Today, I think the likelihood of success is higher because I think there was such a disconnect for the last two months. There's been such a reconnection of where food comes from. I, I think a lot of it's going to depend on the convenience factor for the end consumer because America still drives based off of what is easiest for a lot of them. But, I, the, but the convenience should be easy to, to overcome. Get it to a grocery store, online ordering. Fairly simple, right? I think the biggest thing that they've got going for them, and one thing that's going to help is the fact that we're starting to see a state of nationalism again. The fact that if you were, if you kind of had a nationalistic mindset, people instantly equated you with Nazi Germany. And the fact that that was the 
the true building of, hey, it's all about the, the race and all of this. At the same time, I think America going through the pandemic right now is starting to wake up and say, you know what? There might be a way for us to do something better if we do it here. And I think the likelihood of success for these guys is going to be in the high 80s because they are doing it right. They've got Chad in their corner and Leo in their corner, and they're telling the story of what it is. They're not sitting here trying to just, they're letting you you come up with your own idea of what is good for them. If we sit here and how many times you can sit here and ask the marketing guys right now, how many times do we put an ad up and people are like, meow, meow, meow. here, hold on. I think I've got that. Marketing usually doesn't work. And what works, it surprises the hell out of you. <laughs> I'm not doing, I'm not going back to public nudity. I'm not going back no. down that road. <laughs> My body's used. So kind of my thought on that is like, if we look at like the big packers, big milk producers, they're marketing, they're advertising, but they're telling the consumer what they want. Correct. Where now Kevin's saying, what do you want? And oh, okay, this is a market that I think you want. And the consumer's gonna tell him yes or no. And he's gonna figure that out really quick. He can adjust fast, where a big packager can't. They can't make that adjustment on the fly. And for us to be able to sit here and say, uh, we can make small adjustments in a timely fashion. It's just like you. Today, we went out and we talked and we shot some photos and stuff like that. For you to be able to make an adjustment to that film, it's pretty easy for you to do that. But if you were to have Warner Brothers out here and they've got 15 trailers and they've got all these people running around on the bike. Attorneys and helicopters. Yeah, we're going to, I want a helicopter. Um, but if you turn all of these things you know, around and you look at what the power of the small business actually truly has, and people equate us with big business because we have a lot of acres. But in the same time, we're a very very, very small business. And so if you can sit here and actually figure out what that is, and that's kind of why I wanted to have you on the podcast this morning is how do you make a movie? It's actually, you know, it all starts with a cocktail napkin, no matter what business you're in. <laughs> have you noticed? Yeah. Everything no. starts so small because it's an idea. And, but the formula is exactly the same in whatever movies or series that you want to make. You have your characters, you put the characters through some kind of conflict, and then there's a resolution in the end. So it's characters, conflict, and resolution. And those three steps are in every movie that you go watch. Right. Oscar or a something that's not so good, they have those three elements in it. And other than that, you lay over those three steps of whatever story you're trying to tell. So you're a small business in America, and you're sitting here saying, I've got something that is going to be revolutionary. I've got a, a flavoring for lollipops, whatever it's going to be. And if they are wanting to make a movie... How do they do that? What do you, what do you budget? What do you, I mean, here we've talked to how many different people that have said, Hey, we want to come out to Dell city. We're going to set up for three months and we're going to tell your story. And we're like, great. Okay. And they're like, okay, $290,000. And then we're going to go ahead and need another, you know, 600,000 at the back end of it. And then we're going to take royalties. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like it doesn't, I, we financially can't afford that. So if somebody is out there with this flavoring or lollipops or doing whatever the heck they're doing, how do they make a movie? How do they tell their story when they don't have a large pocket to pull from it's actually you got to start ridiculously small the first thing that you want to invest in is good audio because the one thing that will turn people off is crap audio the reality is the iphone that you already have shoots good enough video that if you had good audio capture 
and you are steady with your iPhone, the smaller the screen that you view it on, the, the crappier the lens that you can get away with. So most of us are watching these on our phones, right? So with just the iPhone, and good audio capture, like if you got a, a $300 zoom recorder, beautiful. You get really nice audio capture. You shoot it on your iPhone. You can go into iMovie, plop it in, get some, and you start telling your story. And the problem that people don't start is because it's too difficult, it's too expensive, it's too time consuming. And it's like, look, I don't need Universal Studios here. I just want to see if they like root beer or chocolate milk. Mm -hmm. And so the reality is if you have an iPhone, you're halfway there. So if you can capture good audio, and don't be afraid to look bad. Don't be afraid to scab it up. So a lot of times the authenticity overcomes any poor quality issues. You're being who you, you are. You kind of get into that greenwashing where you're trying to make everything perfect and pristine. No. I don't want I don't want that in my life anyways because I'm a human. I make mistakes and we have weeds. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's really... That's kind of who we are, and that's that's the way it should be. So, so you're a small business out there somewhere. You're saying, start small, start start scratching and grinding away, and and to see where that the road leads. Well, because those are the seeds; those are the media seeds, and you don't know what soil it's going to land on and where it's going to grow from. But what's going to happen is something a little bigger will can take you to that next level to say, Hey, do you want to come on my podcast or you want to be in my video or wake? And the next thing, you know, it's amazing. And then all of a sudden you get lucky. Someone said, there's that one break. Yeah, that's it. But without throwing the seeds out there. So I probably the guy that would be listening to say, yeah, I don't have the time or the money. Well, you do have a phone, figure out how to capture great audio. We don't want tinny audio because that will turn people off. But if you have really rich, nice audio, even shot like on an iPhone, you're already rocking, bud. And I guarantee your 13 year old kid can already uh, cut it. Uh, for you. Right. And so you probably already have the resources you need under your roof. Mm -hmm. I mean, my daughter the other day, she says, Hey dad, look at this TikTok video, uh, watch it to the end. And she holds it up and I'm watching this guy dancing, whatever. And I don't realize she has me on split screen, my fat head. And of course she put the camera angle down low to make me look like a freaking Turkey. Right. Right. And so I realized she's saying, watch it to the end. I was her content. She made me in split screen, boop. And so I'm up on Snapchat or TikTok. <laughs> and so, and I guarantee I'll go back and she'll say, oh, I got thousands of views on your fat head. People love you, dad. And so in the space of eight seconds, you can create something. Something. So do you think... Uh, as an outsider, you know, to be to be looking in, we we've changed things. Obviously, we've got we've got talented people that are on our team now. MJ was here from the beginning and kind of how we tried to get our marketing out there and how we tried to really do that. And uh, I, I feel that we failed miserably in, in our previous attempts. 
Do you see what we're doing on the farm now as something that is moving in the right direction to tell our story? Oh, yeah. Well, we were driving around and you said, hey, I know you're looking at those grapes. You probably see weeds. Can I tell you what the weeds are? They're actually mustard. And you know that mustard does this. And you broke out something to me and it was like, dang, I never thought of that. And so what something appears to be may not always be. And so you ended up telling me about three or four little nuggets, you know, about gut health and weeds and keeping soil that can stretch water a third more. And to me, I think that's interesting, not even being a farmer, because I, I learned something that I didn't know before I came here today. Okay. So I think people actually have super interesting content that people would love to hear, and they might think, oh, that's boring. It isn't that boring if you don't know it. Mm-hmm. Maj, what do you think? I think we're on the right track. I think our, our downfall initially was not doing you know, what came natural to us. We were trying to fit into a mold that we were trying to act like somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you see with where Chad's headed? You know, what, what, what do you see the, the future of what he's talking about as far as marketing for these smaller companies like that? Do you think that that's something that's, I I think that's going to be a huge game changer for, for a lot of these little guys, you know, figuring out how to truly market themselves. Chad, and the reason that I ask MJ questions is I revere him as the as the wise owl. You know, he, he sits there and, and, and kind of gathers information and then kind of, if it doesn't make sense to him, then he'll tell you that it doesn't make sense to him. Whereas I'm like, oh yeah, it's a big picture. I love it. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, let's get that together, eh? Um, and, so, and so it's always fun because I'll have, <laughs> I'll have rocket boosters on the back of the truck ready to rock and roll and MJ will be like, uh, we're not going to like that, sorry. And so it's just always fun to get get an aspect of that and then and if those of you that are listening to this are like well why why do you chime in mj because he'll give you a dose of reality every day (laughs) (laughs) try to be nice about it yeah you do you just need to smile more it hurts my feelings um so so chad this is a wrap up well, first of all, thank you for coming out here. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for thanks, for, thanks for, for for agreeing to sit on out here in the middle. Um, as we move forward, and as you guys are moving forward, do you foresee larger companies coming in and trying to acquire what these guys are doing? Oh yeah. And do you think it would be? Do you think that it, if if you're selling that it would be it would be kind of ruining that idea of why they were a small business? No, because this is what happens. Micro brews exist for a reason, but at some point I have to buy the microbrewery. I'm not going to go through all the trial and error that poor guy went through, but I'm going to buy that. So when you look at my house, I hadn't had milk for literally decades until I met Kevin two years ago. So I did it out of curiosity. I'm like, I miss this. Well, my kids, guess what's turned my kids on? Chocolate milk, banana milk, strawberry milk. So they're being now they have an iced coffee. They have all kinds of different things. And so what happens if you're like a really big operator? Do you really have the time to turn the tuning forks and figure out why are chocolate milk selling so good at the Diamondback games that are from this guy's creamery? And could we get that to 32 teams across the country? 
I'm going to buy someone that already figured all that crap out. And so what I see, what they're building is like, man, if this would work in Dallas, why wouldn't it work in Raleigh? Or New York. Why wouldn't it work in New York? Why wouldn't it work in Atlanta? Why wouldn't it work in all these other markets? If the consumers in Arizona are responding the way that I see them, why wouldn't it? And uh, I believe that it would, you know? And I believe you're taking out things that the big guys don't want to deal with. They, they're not good at that face-to-face, -face, hardcore guerrilla marketing where you're developing products and marketing around the products. They want to buy size, you know? Keep it, keeping it capitalistic. Yeah, well, and, and they want to buy the long tail of niches. Like, I have a portfolio of 12 niches, but even though I acquire it, I don't want to take the soul out of it. I want you guys to keep growing it. So, mm -hmm. to me, I could see people building these kinds of niche opportunities up and, you know, people acquiring them. And With that, I've got one question. Yeah. What's your biggest fear in life? My biggest fear in life... That's a good one. I would, you know what? It really kind of hit me about the health of my family through all of this. So you say the well-being of your family yeah, is the biggest fear? Yeah, I'd say number one. Yeah. And, and what do you do to overcome that? You know what? We we try to eat right. We get exercise. Drink get plenty of glass sun, milk. You know, and uh, we try to avoid any bad habits that might screw us up. But for us, we've been, uh, you know, I'm kind of an independent operator of telling stories. So I don't, I'm not on the great uh, Humana healthcare plan. Mm -hmm. So in other words, my healthcare plan is be healthy healthy. Yeah. And so I think there is a, a big tribe that are in my same boat. And so in like, I'm going to invest in my own healthcare plan. I got to stay out of the OR. Absolutely. And so to me, my family's health is probably my biggest fear. I'm not afraid of dying. I've done some real crazy crap that I should have <laughs> like, you know, cashed it in a long time ago. That to me, when my ticket's punched, I'm not. I mean, I was walking in COVID-1 in Hong Kong with no mask, not knowing any better. And uh, I'm that to me, I'm not worried. I'm more about the health of my family, not me personally so much. Absolutely. Chad, I cannot tell you again how much we appreciate you coming out, yeah, helping tell our story, and, and letting us hear some of yours. Yeah, MJ and Jake. You're always, you're, me, yeah, the Canadian had to sneak off. We got a winery coming in today, and we're pretty excited about it. Got the a full day of, of storytelling today. We got, buddy. we got a storytelling day today. So be safe. God bless. Okay. Everybody be looking for 1836 uh, bottled milk. It's going to be coming out. 1836 Farms. And this is going to come out on Amazon. Amazon Prime in January. And uh, we're telling the whole story story from cocktail napkin to starting the factory all of the throwing up phases green shoots hopefully yep. cutting the ribbon getting it on the shelf and uh, that takes time that's a 10 month story we're telling but some stories are worth taking the time for that's what i'm talking about chat again thank you so much great okay. see you thanks for having me